0: Coming up on The Dr. John Deloney Show.
1: I was just wondering if you had any advice on how to make blending a family a little bit easier? The first month was so hard. Yes. I kind of went in with the attitude of, I'm gonna fix this. No.
0: okay. it (laughs) it, It made me go crazy. Yes. What up, what up? This is John with The Dr. John Deloney Show greatest show that has ever existed. I got to stop saying that because it's not true. There's, I listened to a couple of podcasts over the weekend. <laughs> I was like, man, this is way better than my show. But on this show we do, we're pretty good. And we talk about mental health, emotional health, your marriage, parenting, um, dealing with kids in schools, your nutrition, whatever you got going on in your life, your nutrition, your sleep, whatever you got going on in your life. For two decades, I've been sitting with people when the wheels have fallen off when they've been struggling and we've decided to make it public for the last few years, instead of having these conversations behind closed doors um, in hospitals, in homes, when someone's passed away or somebody has packed up and moved out, we're having these conversations here live. And we have a brave group of callers who call in with real things that they're going through. And we talk about them here. If you want to be on the show, if you're one of the, one of the brave, brave few, give us a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. One eight four four six nine three three two nine one, or go to johndoloni slash ask. And don't forget like us and follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube channel, um, or you know do the thumbs up. I don't know how you like stuff anymore. Put hearts on it. Just tattoo the show logo on your on your on your neck. That'd be kind of that's that's what Kelly did, and I'm not gonna lie, it's a pretty gangster move. She's got enough she's got enough powder and makeup to like conceal her conceal everything but I'm, i was proud of you when you did that because you got all these 80s metal bands and weird rap groups and old boyfriends tattooed all over you but you never put the show on there and finally did it it was huge money like it lets me know as a producer like you're all in and i appreciate you being all in and hey we're getting close to when this publishes it's just a couple of days before christmas right and we're getting close to Christmas, I love it, and it's my daughter's birthday's around there, so I love all that, but it's getting up on my favorite time of the year. Absolute favorite time of the year, which is New Year's, when all of the world goes, eh, let's just try again. And I just love it. I love it. Everybody gets a mulligan. So we've got the Questions for Humans New Year's deck of cards. It's not too late. Order those, and this will give you all something to do over New Year's, except more than just, like, drink beer and be like, hey, let's blow up some stuff in the sky. Or sit around and talk about how it's all coming down. Maybe it's all coming down, but talking about it's not going to help it. So here's some cards um, that we've created specifically for a group of people hanging around at New Year's. All right, let's pull some out.
2: All right, first one. Let's do it. How has it been obvious this year that you have zero control in your life?
0: (laughs) 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 Well, number one, she's looking at me right now, and that's you. I have no control in my life. I have two powerful women I report to, you and my wife. Other than that, um, I think it's been the opposite. I think this year, more so than any year I can remember, I have continually been reminded of how, um, on, a, on a micro level, how in control of things I can be when it comes to what I eat, um, when it comes to my stress levels, when it comes to exercise and those kind of things. Macro level, when it comes to war... And hatred and bigotry and people who just simply don't don't understand how economics work and the country I live in, I got zero control, right? So I would say at the macro level, I have literally no no control. I can't control anything about that. The micro level, I have infinitely more control than I've ever felt. What about you?
2: Oh, this was a big one for me this year because, so, you know, coming up on One Year Lost Mom, House flooded Christmas Eve, lost my mother-in-law this year. And it just, it felt like um, a lot of things, we were out of our house for seven months, a lot of things were stripped away to the point where I had to just let it go. Because um, if I tried to control, I mean, all these things that I, and I, you know, we talked about this before, I love control, and but all these things that were so out of my control that I had no way to fix or to, make happen. And I was just kind of, it was like I was just, the only way to, only way for me to go was to God because there was just no other option because otherwise I was going to go insane. And so this year has really taught me that there's a lot that I don't have control over, big things that aren't mine to control. That's and so that I need to let them go because yeah. he's going he's gonna to make it work. He's going to bring it around. He's going to redeem it. It's just out of my
0: control. So there's that idea like the I've watched it and you've handled it with grace so much. Um, you've been extra mean a few times, but that's fair. Um, but you, like, I've seen this year more so, and it may be just the magnitude of it all, that when you have, like, some pretty big things, it feels like you're controlling them even though you're not. But, like, when your house explodes and people you love pass away and personal challenge, like, it's that leaf in the river metaphor. Like, at some point, I can continue to try to swim upstream and I'm going to drown or I can just do the right things as this thing heads wherever it's gonna go. Right? Because what else are you gonna do?
2: Exactly. The only other option was just to be drive myself so insane. And I tried to do that, like especially with the house stuff, uh-huh. trying to micromanage everything. And I just thought, you know, I can't I can't live like this. Yeah. And um yeah, it but I've always felt God tried to teach me that and sometimes he has to do it a little harsher because you don't learn.
0: Ao. <laughs> yeah. Ayo. Okay, cool. What's another All one? All right,
2: the next one. What's one thing you want to stop doing next year?
0: That's a good question. You go first.
2: Um, Being mean? (laughs) No. No. Um, (laughs) You couldn't function. (laughs) (laughs) No. One thing I want to stop doing next year is um, I'm really bad about when it comes to my weight loss, which I'm working on, five pounds down.
0: Very happy about that. Way to go.
2: Um, Or workout or whatever. I I tend to get – paralysis by analysis, you know, the idea of, I need to know exactly what to do. I can't, I need to know which thing to do and what workout am I supposed to do and how many days am I supposed to do it? So I don't do anything until I have all those questions answered. And this morning I got up later than I wanted to. So I didn't have time to do my workout. And I was actually, so I just did like a 15 minute yoga thing. I was like, just do something, just move. And uh, she said, Actually, I'd never done this yoga with this particular woman before on on YouTube. And her, she said, "Pick one word, and I want you to think about it." And my word was "start." Mm. Just do something. Something. Go for a walk. Go oh. for, if you don't, you know, if you don't want to do that, just do something because anything's better than nothing. Mm. And I'm really bad about that. About I have to have all the answers first.
0: Yeah. Well, dude, that's awesome.
2: So that's something Good I'm for working you. on.
0: What about you? Um, I've got two. One is, man, I like this has been like a a major issue. And so I'm really working hard on it. Um, beginning like recently actually is complaining. I complain about everything. There's wine. I'm a, i am I am a professional whiner and that might surprise people, um, who listen to the show and don't hang out with me regularly, but I'm always whining about something and I just has to end. It's so unendearing and it makes it hard to like, want to be around somebody who whines all the time, just complains. So that's, um, number one. Um, the second one is, um, Really leaning back into contentment, like, um, uh, really like dropping my shoulders and being really grateful for where I'm at. And I can get really big, not on, um, not on not being ambitious career wise. Cause I like, I, I just, I've been a teacher since I was a little kid and I'm like to help folks, like that's going to be wired, that's wired into me. But this idea, like, I want to do this so that I can get this. And so then I can get this. And so it's not being complacent or settled in curiosity and those kind of things. But it's using those things to try to get more crap. And that's been probably the heaviest thing this year is just stop this insane pursuit of accumulation. And uh, cool things are going to come. But I made a list this weekend. Um, I actually listened to Dr. Atia had a podcast that released um, – talking about a doctor um, who's in Syria, a missionary doctor. The guy owns two t-shirts and he had been gone for a long time and in and and scrubs, that's what he lives in, scrubs and t-shirts and um, uh, two t-shirts and he came back to New York for some fundraising stuff and he said it was just like, wow. And he said the food was great and whatever. They're talking about in the culture, they don't, they don't, they have a word for food and it's food. So when you say like, what'd you eat last night? They're like, uh, Food. Because there's not this endless variety. And I was struck by there's virtually zero suicide, virtually zero heart metabolic issues. And I thought, man, I think I'm, I'm burying myself in an early grave through complaining and through always trying to get the next thing. And so those are two things I'm going to really work hard on through with meditation, with intentional practice, with those kinds of things, catching myself, getting a group of people being like, you're complaining again. Um, I think those are two things that I'm going to work on stopping this year.
2: Yeah. And they both go, I mean, they're, they're so hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's when you stop doing one and start doing the other, they just, they, I think it's almost an automatic one stops, one starts.
0: Yeah. Complaining and whining is I'm not, I want my way right now. And my way is about contentment yeah. yeah 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 instead of that's seeing great. the insane like glitch in the matrix we all live in right it's silly it's silly cool awesome man so pick up your questions for humans go to john you can pick them up that's the um the new year's deck man you pulled some great questions all right let's go out to a baton rouge and talk to uh baton rouge and talk to heather what's up heather hey dr john
3: thank what's you up? so much for, <laughs> for taking my call i'm Okay. I wanted to tell you, first of all, just how much my husband and I both just appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. I finished your book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, last night, actually. And um, it's it's been helping me so much. And so thank you for that. And, thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm hoping, um, yeah, I'm choosing freedom. And with that, I'm going to go into my question. And <laughs> All right, let's do it. Hopefully um, you can yeah, help me out. All right. So um, my question is, how do I love and respect my parents and other extended family members while setting boundaries to protect my marriage and my children? And um, to give you some background, I can um, just talk about a recent event that happened when we were visiting my family recently. Yeah, go for it. Um. All right. So, um, so we face we face these issues several times when when we visit my family, but became a little more obvious this time with my dad. Um, he tends to be just usually annoyed with our kids when we're there like by the noise they make the messes they make he speaks in a belittling and condescending way not just to my children but he's always spoken that way to my mom and um to us as kids and um um many people so that that's an issue that's seems to be getting worse and then my mom doesn't always agree with our parenting styles and thinks we should just turn on the TV anytime the kids are getting rowdy. And we really try to limit screen time. And my husband and I felt led to become Catholic this year. So that's something that we're kind of on a journey on. And we take like prayer and going to church very seriously. And when we get our kids up in the morning, when we're there to go to church, she gets upset by the fact that we're not Spending time with them, that we're going to church, and then um, the last last um, relationship that we kind of deal with when we're there is my sister and her kids. Um, She kind of gives her kids full access to phones, internet, and her kids are a little bit older than ours, and they're learning about. um, My nine-year-old niece has already learned about like what sex is, and um, so we have kids that are much younger, and so we're just trying to. Um, protect them and feels like when, when we go, we're kind of just having to constantly kind of monitor our kids and protect them from things that are happening around their house. So I'm just hoping that you can <clears throat> give me some guidance on how I can, how we can still build a relationship with them, but like how to set boundaries with them.
0: Yeah, you bet. Um, all right. So there's a couple of things here. Um, one just off the top of my head, nine-year-olds should know about sex. Um, that should be a, an ongoing conversation, um, but they should not find out about it via their cell phones or the internet. They should find out about that from trusting adults in their life. So that was just an aside. Um, yes. All right. So I think we've got love and respect all sideways. Okay? okay, love and respect requires, as a fundamental core principle as a as a building block, a cornerstone of love and respect is boundaries. Love -hmm. and respect does not mean that you have to do whatever somebody else wants of you. Okay. So if you grew up in a home where you're always belittled and your dad flexed on the people that he was supposed to love, that meant that y'all's job was to curate a world where dad was never, his feathers were never ruffled. Because he Mm -hmm. was a peacock who liked to really shine and kick up those tail feathers. So the goal of the house, Mm -hmm. mom, you, your siblings, the goal was to keep the peace, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Mom has been putting up with this for what, 25, 30 years? How old are you?
3: Uh, I'm 33. They've been married for 40 years. Okay,
0: so for 40 years, her job every day is to make sure he's not pissed off. That's how she stayed safe. That's how she stayed, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, out of trouble. That's how she manufactured a little pocket of safety inside of her world. Okay? So let's set that over to the side for a second. Often when people grow up in that, I mean, or are, are in a relationship like that, they um, look to the next lowest person on the rung, if you will, and they extract that similarly. But they mm-hmm. often do it from the bottom up, not the top down. Here's what I mean. Your dad is huge. He comes over the top. He's a big, loud male. And he may be five foot two. I don't know how big he is, but he's got this presence that is I can't tell those kids to be quiet or he doesn't say anything that way he can kind of uh, act indignant when somebody calls him on it, but he gets all tense and he goes around huffing mm-hmm. and puffing and picking up the, the toys that the kids left out really heavy. Right. Um, yeah. or he goes Shh, real loud. Like he's just real abrasive mom. On the other hand is, Oh, you mean you're just going to go to church and we're just not going to have breakfast. Okay. I guess I'll just, I guess we'll just eat here by ourselves then. Um, if that's more important to you, then, um, okay. It's the same exact move, just underneath the boat. She's dragging it underneath it instead of on top of it. Does that ring a bell? Yes.
3: Yes, it does.
0: Okay. So that is one person who has been using the other person to get the life he wants, not as a partnership, but as a, basically a, 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 a an extended parent. And then your mom does that to the next lowest person, which is her kids. Okay? Mm-hmm. So... Everything is about peace and everything's about comfort. And what you and your husband have chosen to do is to do something opposite, to head into a relationship with your kids, which is messy and hard. It is easy to dump them in front of a TV. You know why? How I know that? I did it last night. My wife and my son were out at at a church event My daughter was chaos and I needed to finish some stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, you know what? I know it's a school night. Do you want to go watch a show? And her eyes lit up and she was like, oh my gosh. Dude, she ran up there. Mm -hmm. You know what I got done in that 30 minutes? I got (laughs) so (laughs) much done. And it wasn't that big of a deal on a one-off. But if that was my default every day, all the time, I'd be (sighs) failing my kid, right? Y'all have chosen to not do that. Y'all have chosen to head into it. How old are your kids?
3: Six, three, and
0: two. Okay. You know what six, three, and two year olds are? Loud. Yeah. <laughs> and running around and chaotic and they break things and they test things and they're curious and they hit their head on things yes. and they don't put things away. That doesn't mean that y'all are failing. That doesn't mean that means y'all are growing kids that ha- are using the whole world as a laboratory for how things work and how things feel, right? Yes. And your parents are opting out of that world. You also have chosen to not give your kids unfettered access to the internet. Mm -hmm. You've chosen not to let them be raised by screens. Your sister's not made that choice. And so she's opting out of their life. Here's what this means. I cannot love and respect somebody if every time I'm around them, I'm on defense or I'm slowly being suffocated. Okay. So the best way I can love and respect somebody is to have clear and firm and loving boundaries. That doesn't mean avoidance. I think we have used the word as avoidance is I can never be in contact with you. And I think that's an overreaction, particularly by younger generations. I don't think we have to do that, Mm -hmm. but i will go hang out with you. And I'm going to be really clear. Hey, if you say that joke about these people, I'm, I don't want to be around it. I'm going to leave. And then they'll make the joke and you'll go, all right, hey guys, y'all take it easy. I'm out. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty clear about that. That's just, I don't think it's funny. I'm out. Y'all have a good one, guys, and I'll I'll catch y'all next time. And I'll come back. Those are my friends. Those are my family members. And I'm going to be clear again. Hey, just FYI. And if they do it again, then what they're saying is, we don't want you here. We would rather tell this joke about this group of people than have you here. That's what they're saying. I found out that there's a group of my friends who I love who have different jokes when I'm around than when I'm not. And you know what? I freaking love that because that is so respectful of my boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. similarly, I think it's worth a very direct and a very loving conversation. You're 33 years old. You have three kids. How long have you been married?
3: Nine and a half years.
0: Almost a decade. You know what it's time for? Grown-up conversations with grown-ups. Yeah. That's a coffee Taking your dad out to coffee. Hey, dad, can I take you out to coffee? Sure. Hey, dad, every time my kids come over to your house, it's going to be a hard conversation. Everything about your body language tells me you don't want us here and you don't want them here. That somehow you think I'm failing as a parent and I actually think I'm a pretty good parent and my kids are great. But you belittle us, you talk down to us, you get mad at us. And here's the thing, I want them to have you in their life, but I can't have that. And yeah. me saying that to you, you imagining yourself having that conversation, what does it feel like?
3: Uh, it doesn't feel comfortable. It, I've, I haven't had a conversation about this exact thing, but I, I have had conversations when I bring things up to my dad in the past and it, it doesn't go well.
4: Okay,
3: he, he he plays it down. He turns it back on me and doesn't, doesn't listen.
0: Do you have that in the moment or off to the side, like in a prearranged time?
3: I can remember specifically one time in college when I like specifically just pulled him off to the side when he was reading or something and tried to have a conversation with him. And...
0: Okay. Well, I, my recommendation is to try it again. Just, and this is why you you want to know that you entered into an uncomfortable situation. And you retained your dignity and you treated everybody with love and respect. And I think love and respect yep. often requires discomfort and mm-hmm. honesty and clarity. If you just disappear and decide to not go, I think that can be cruel. And, and you end up becoming just like him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And instead of belittling him to his face like he does to you, you belittle him under the water. He sucks. He, I don't want him around our kids. We're not going to go anywhere we right? Now, I have a rule that I only talk if somebody is going to hear me. I don't speak just to have spoken. That's what the social mm-hmm. media world is. That's politicians. Um, I don't speak if I if I can't be heard. And so if you think in your, in your guts, dude, he can't hear a word I'm saying, then cool, don't have that conversation. And same with your mom. I think it's worth taking mom out for coffee and saying, hey, mom, we have drawn a line when it comes to screens. We're just not going to do it. It's not how we're gonna raise our kids. It's not, and so I want that to stop being an expectation in this house. And I understand if our kids are too loud, then we're just gonna, we're just gonna not have them here. We're gonna not have them here, and we're gonna roll out. But all that to say is whatever your boundaries happen happen to be, the way you demonstrate that you love and respect your parents is by being very clear, kind, respectful if possible. I mean, always respectful, but kind if possible. Have the clear conversation, and then they get to respond however they want to. Immature, like you said, turn it back on you, blame you. And my God, how how heartbreaking and lame it is for a child to sit down with their parent and say, hey, here's how I experience you, and for them to make it their kid's fault. So ridiculous, and I hate that that happened to you. I hope it didn't happen again. Your sister's kids are handing out phones, and your nine-year-old's talking about sex with a six-year-old, and you're not comfortable. Then, dude, then don't have them around. Cool. Maybe have the conversation with your sister. Hey, tell your nine-year-old to stop talking about sex with us, with our, with my kids, please. Have that conversation. Are you kidding me? Uh, Yeah, I'm. I'm, I mean, no, I'm not kidding. That's a big deal to me. And here's the deal: they may all opt out of relationship with you for a season. That will hurt so bad, but kind of like surgery to get out the cancer, get out a tumor, they have to cut you. They have to cause you pain, hurt your body, if you will, to get out the bad stuff. If your family opts out, it will hurt, but it will also be removing a group of people who say they love you on one hand and spit on your boundaries and values on the other. So it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. You're going to have to grieve it. And it puts an end to this madness. Or what I think is going to happen Is as a 33 year old who's been married for a decade with three young kids they might hear you and i would start the conversation like this this is really hard for me i'm scared to have this conversation i'm nervous about it so i'm going to fumble through it a little bit but i'm going to ask that you please treat me as an adult as i as we talk through this i know that's pie in the sky for some of you listen you're just laughing you're like dude my dad would never hear that call but i think it would shock you how many parents would be honored pain hurt but honored to be approached that way by their adult kids. Most people wanna be connecting most of the time. They just don't know how. And if you have this conversation and give your parents a roadmap, at least you're giving them a chance. Thank you so, so much for the call, Heather. I'm really, really grateful for you. We'll be right back. Here we are in the middle of Lent. Lent is one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith. It's a time of reflection, taking a hard look at our lives, prayer, fasting, and more. Lent is about finding meaning, purpose, discipline, finding connection with God, and finally, letting go of trying to control everything. If you've grown up in a Christian faith and you've heard about Lent, and this year you wanna jump in with both feet, or if you're not a person of faith at all and you've always wondered what your coworkers are talking about during the season, my friends at Hallow have created the 40-Day Lent Prayer Challenge. I went through the Lent Reflection today on my own, It's already an extraordinary walk through 40 days of meditating and making changes in our lives. The 40-Day Challenge is about transformation, and Hallow has created a path with Lent-themed music, stories, prayers, and even some special things for your kids. I am personally going through the challenge, and I hope you'll join me and millions of others across the globe. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world, and for listeners of the show, you get three free months of Hallow, all 10,000-plus prayers, meditations, music, and lecture series, and more, all of it, by going to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's three free months of the app at hallow.com slash Deloney. All right, we're back, and this one's going to be a doozy. I can, already t- <laughs> I can already tell. This is a married couple on the line Oh, boy. Let's go out to Mike, 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 Mike in Oklahoma. What's up, dude? I'm doing good. How are you? I don't know, man. I just, I see the line. Jenna gave me a line of what this call's about. And then she just said, oh, yeah, his wife's on. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be <laughs> okay. And you're asking for this, right? I'm asking for it. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. Um. So let's uh bring on... Your wife, Tara. Cool? Yep, yep.
5: Let's bring her on.
0: Oh, gee. Are you all in the same house right now? Uh, we're actually uh,
5: outside my mother-in-law's house in Colorado. Uh, we're sitting in separate cars right now, so.
0: <laughs> so y'all are having this conversation at your mother-in-law's house. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. While um, I'm talking to her, I want you to download an app called Hotels.com because you may need it. <laughs> all right? <laughs> okay. And I have no affiliation with them. I just know they got lots of hotels. All right. Let's bring on Tara. <laughs> What's up, T-Money? Hey, how are you? I'm probably better than y'all are about to be. What's up? <laughs>
4: uh, no, we knew we'd already knew what we were getting ourselves into, so I think you're spot on with the intro.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's do this. All right, so, Mike, I'm going to do something a little bit different, all right? Yeah. Okay, so here, I'm just going to read you what the byline is that Jenna has put in my monitor, okay? Okay. And then I'll let you tell the story. All right, and Tara and Mike is. Have you all talked about everything? Are we sure? Oh, we have yeah. talked about yeah. everything. All right, yeah. here we uh, here we go. Let's dance. So it says underneath Mike from Edmond, Oklahoma, in my monitor. It says, "Wife and I have been working through infidelity on my part. She's pregnant now, struggling with our. I'm struggling. Mike's struggling with our lack of sex life. Is that correct? Correct." Sure, wish she wasn't on the phone. All right, let's do this, dude. Let's do it. All right, walk me through it, Mike.
5: <laughs> All right, so um, so basically, our story is um, infidelity on my part. Uh, it's been two and a half years since our com- since my confession. Uh, we've been in therapy, a recovery group. We're part of a very strong community. Uh, uh, we actually co lead a marriage group of other couples that are restoring their marriages after infidelity and uh, and pornography addiction. Um, Tara's actually in her second trimester. We had a m- miscarriage back in May oh, and basically, sorry. um, yeah, we're, we're just struggling with our sexual intimacy, um, after, after the infidelity, after the miscarriage, um, and I actually feel selfish. You know, I feel really selfish for even wanting to have sex with her since she's not feeling well during her pregnancy. Um, but this is something we've talked about and we just, we, uh, we, we need help in this area.
0: So. Okay. Cool. So, uh, great job. That was like, you were really concise and you kind of put it all out there. So I'm proud of you. Um, and I saw, heard a lot of reflection in there. It wasn't a lot of, well, this happened and this happened. You took a lot of ownership there. So that's awesome. Tara, what's your, what's your side of the story?
4: Um, well, that's, we have done a lot of work just like he said. I mean, we have, you know, after something is earth shattering is infidelity. Um, (laughs) You have to, you have to start from ground zero and that's what we've done. I mean, we have literally, I mean, there was nothing left after that. And we have, like you said, gone to years of therapy. We still go, we have these accountability groups. So the, the communication and the transparency, like we talk about everything, like there's no seat, you know, so like we do have like a really good foundation. I know we're only two and a half, almost three years into after infidelity, but we've made a lot of progress. So my, it's just that like the infidelity has, I mean, not infidelity, um, like intimacy has always been a challenge. Just his upbringing of like, you know, abuse as a child starting around five and then, um, you know, introduction to pornography starting at five. So that's kind of where his journey started. And then mine was like the opposite. Like I didn't have like touch for my parents, like hugs and kisses. And so I could just like live the rest of my life and like not be touched probably and be totally fine. So you could see how it was like an explosion waiting to happen when we got married. Right. But, um, yeah, so we just, um, we worked through the infidelity, and we continue to. And then, when we got pregnant in May, um and we lost that baby, I mean, it was really, really hard because we never thought that we would be married, much less have another child. And then when we lost that baby, um you know, it's it's really, really hard. And then now that I'm pregnant again, it's like the trauma from like not only the trauma from losing the baby, like pregnancy after loss is one thing, but then you add in, Um, you know, all the stuff with the infidelity kind of came out once our daughter was just born. So there's kind of like that impending, like, okay, are we going to do this again once we have another baby? And then there's the fear of losing the baby. And then I've just been really, really sick on top of it all. Um, So it's just like this, like triple edged sword. It feels like I'm like, if I don't have sex with him, like I might throw up on you, but you know, it's like, I, I, I don't, it's like, (laughs) Our intimacy is it's, you know what I mean? It's like a really big deal for us because if we don't have intimacy for months at a time, like, is he going to spiral again back into this, you know, this, this hole that he's dug himself out of. So it's just like super complex.
0: (laughs) Okay. So it's super complex and we can pull some pretty clean strings on it. Okay. And level things out a bit. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, I know y'all both been to counseling. I'm going to bypass probably a year. Of therapy, okay, mm-hmm. and kind of cut to the some ch- the chase on some things just to make this like that way it's not like a five hour call. Um, and I'd love it as y'all continue. I'd love to have you back on, almost recurring, and we can kind of walk through what this looks like if y'all are ever interested in that. Okay. Oh sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested. So, I'm getting to a place where I wrote a whole book on trauma. Right and 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 where you go from here and the importance of our childhood stories, I think those stories are really important to peel back and un- uncover, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge remains is whether I'm working with people in marginalized communities. I spent my whole career doing that. I don't talk about that on the show because I, I don't want to ever that I don't want other people's marginalization to be how I move my career forward. Right? But I spent 20 years doing that. I've sat with people who lost everything, everything. I've sat with people like you guys whose marriage is in ash and you're deciding, are we going to do this? Are we going to, like, whatever, what what are we doing next, right? But every single time I've sat with somebody and they're sitting in the trauma, we always land on this one core question. What are we going to do now? And two and a half, almost three years removed from the affair, the infidelity, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, or multiple affairs, or whatever it happened to be. I want to really challenge y'all to not go back to, well, when he was five, he experienced this. And I didn't have touch, and so I experienced this. Because where we are now is you both committed to being in a marriage that's here right now. Right. Right? And so those stories might play into why our nervous system responds the way it does with those gps pins i talk about all the time right it it mm-hmm. might light me up or it might do this or do this but every day i have a choice as to what this day is going to look like period and i might have to practice for as much as a decade to turn the corner on some things but i am here now okay right. so i want to i want to honor and know that those past stories are there but I want to spend the bulk of my energy in the present moving forward. Is that cool? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So in in real quick terms, when you're like, I don't want sex. I don't want him to be touched. Like, I don't feel good. I haven't gone to the bathroom in eight weeks. And I feel like I'm going to (laughs) throw up every day. And, oh, my gosh. And I just feel all bloaty and gross. And my parents didn't even, I want that part to be done. Does that make sense? I want to live where we are right now. Because here's why. When we live in the right now, you have to take ownership of what happens next. It can't go back to, well, they did this. And that goes the same for you too, Mike. Like, it's not weird. You're not broken. And I applaud you for saying it out loud. I want to have sex with my wife a lot. (laughs) And I would prefer to have sex and her not barf on me. That makes it weird, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we don't talk about this enough. Men don't talk about this enough. I don't know that I don't know many guys um outside of some sort of pathology who wants to have what I would call duty sex or chore sex. Right? Like right. here she is just get getting off sex. Like, well, she's sick and grow and, and feeling gross and pregnant, but she's gonna take one for the team. Like I don't know many guys who enjoy that. No, right? Here, here. And so, Mike, here's what I want to get at with you, and I'm sure you've been through some of this with counseling. And I'm gonna, man, I could do a whole five, like five week episode, five weeks of this on the show. Men have been funneled into this world where sex is the only form of intimacy that is acceptable. It's okay. It's the only tool right. we have, and you compile you you stack that on top of your childhood which your nervous system was wired with pornography into it mm-hmm. like um sensational sex performed by professionals right right that's how you you grew up and you have childhood abuse sexual abuse or physical abuse what would you experience as a kid
5: yeah um just a lot of uh other just other kids around my age just a little bit older um okay. pretty much making me engage in sexual acts with other kids there you go so, okay yeah.
0: all right it's surprisingly common and surprisingly frustrating and disturbing, right? So both at all at the same time. Can I go one step deeper with you both on the phone? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Please. Mike, mm-hmm. sometimes the layer beneath the I want to have sex is I don't really I love, I love deeply. I would die for, but I don't like my wife. I don't like our conversations. I don't like the interactions. I don't like how she's always complaining about me. I don't like that she doesn't desire me the same way I desire her. Mm. And pornography solves that problem instantly. A woman at work who laughs at my jokes and only sees a curated version of myself, who thinks my text emojis are hilarious, that works until it blows up everything, right? Or here's another one. Mike has created a world. How long have you all been married? Eight years. Uh, Eight years. How many kids? One. One. Okay.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Mike has a world where he's got a a one child. Didn't really understand the depth and gravity and feelings and emotions around a miscarriage. I talk to men who feel it as deep or deeper than their wives, and then I talk to men who are like, "I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Like my wife is sobbing, and I don't know what to do, and everything I do is wrong because it's not bothering me the same. Right? And because everybody grieves different." And what you do to control yourself during those seasons is you just shut the machine down. You build a life where you feel completely dead. You go to autopilot and autopilot keeps you off pornography. Autopilot keeps you out of another affair. Autopilot also keeps you out of trouble because you're not saying the right things after a miscarriage. Autopilot keeps you out of, I don't really understand what this little kid running around here doing it. And I just know that my wife's telling me I'm doing it wrong all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we create a world where sex is the only time we feel alive. That's it. It's the only time I can get my heart rate up past, you know, 75 beats a minute is if I'm having sex. And so here's why I tell you that a lot of the conversations about I wanna have sex, I wanna have sex, I wanna have sex have to do with the life we've created for ourselves. Okay. And sex, everything, my feeling alive, getting my heart beat up. I don't have any hobbies. I feel like I'm failing at my house. I feel like I don't like my wife. I feel like she doesn't like me. All of that gets dumped on one slide on a, on a on a water slide at a water park. And it's, well, let's just do it. Let's just have sex. And if I can increasingly push the boundaries while we're having sex and go to this position or this thing or this weird, after eight years, you can't kind of start pushing the boundaries on most everything we've tried it or Mm -hmm. we've thought about it, or I'm trying to get her to read my mind and do some things that she like, what? Right. All (laughs) of it. And then you have that one person that you run into and she already knows all And she brings it up and you're like, Oh my. Right. So these things happen supernaturally. I mean, not supernaturally like Superman, but like, it's just a natural progression here. Mm -hmm. What I want y'all to begin to ask yourself is what does our intimacy and desire look like outside of having sex? Have y'all heard me talk about the gas pedals and brakes? Um, I don't, I don't think, think I, have. I have. Okay. I want y'all to order a book by Emily Nagotsky called Come As You Are. C-O-M-E, <laughs> as you are. The, um, the cover of the book, you're going to get it and go, you can't be serious. I'm serious. Get that book and I want y'all to order it. And I want you to read it together. Okay. It's a book for women about women's sexuality but it's been incredibly instructive to the men who I've asked to read it, myself included. Here's where it's so important. It talks about the myth of a sex drive. It's not real. It's not a thing. We've been taught that women have sex drive light to men. It's not true. Sex and intimacy is this series of gas pedals and brakes. What does that mean? That means I want to create a world where are as few brakes as possible and as many slammed on gas pedals as possible. Mike, it may stun you to find out that dishes in the sink are a break to your wife. She doesn't know why. You don't know why. You just know that when you're like, hey, let's have sex, let's have sex. She's like, well, I got to go clean the kitchen. You hear that as she would rather have a clean kitchen than be with me. Mm, Yeah. Right? Yeah. What she's dealing with is 200 years of feminine baggage about what your house is supposed to look like if you actually love your husband. And so for her, I can't even be in the moment knowing that I'm failing him out there in the kitchen with her, with dishes in the sink. And I'm making that up. I'm just inventing that, right? Right. I cannot have sex with you until bedtime's done perfectly. And you're thinking, we just locked the door. Let's party, right? <laughs> And so what I've seen um Dr. Nagaski's book is is extraordinary but what I've seen and heard all across the country is couples backing out of the bedroom conversation. And by the way there is a moment we got to put sex on the calendar. We have to um can we hold hands one night? Can we do the um John DeLoney erotic envelope system um where you put five things in an envelope and she puts five things in an envelope and we just commit over the next month we're going to pull one of these things out a week or one of these things out twice a week. or one of these things out every two weeks. And one of them may just be holding hands. And Mike, you're going to go son of a, right? <laughs> and it might be in the morning you pull it out and Tara, it's, um, regular, boring, married sex. Then, you know, okay, Mike, here's what, here's all the breaks I've got going for me. Mm-hmm. Laundry. Laundry the dishes, the, this, the, that, the thought of you, um, looking at pornography again, our Netflix history, which I stumbled on and saw that you were watching, whatever. These are all breaks for me. And Mike goes, cool. I got it. What else? Right? So we're going to have the breaks and gas pedals conversation in gas pedals. What are the things that turn me on? What are the things that turn me on? I don't want to get too detailed into my house, but last night I cleaned the kitchen up. I put all of the rags, like the dirty rags, I put them in the washer and washed and dried them. And I emptied the dishwasher after the, after the stuff was done. I cleaned it. I just went around and, and it wasn't to try to have sex. It was, I now know what my wife walks in the door and she, her shoulders drop and she's like, ah, amazing. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? We're creating a world and, and her vice versa with me. Um, here's the last thing. Mike, you're not broken for wanting sex while you're married. Just not. And Tara, your body is not yours anymore. You share it. And how old's your little one?
4: Uh, our daughter just turned four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So so your body's a jungle gym and it has been for the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. You're dealing with pregnancy loss. (laughs) Yeah. You're having that everyday... Every every time you have gas, every time your heartbeat accelerates a little bit, every time you get a weird movement, you're like, oh, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Right? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, Mike, you don't understand how much Tara's is not breathing during the day. Holding her breath. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And Tara, mm-hmm. we, we could talk about sex. I don't think you know how much Mike loves you.
2: Yeah.
0: In a crazy way. And I think the only way Mike has been given permission by himself and his upbringing and his culture is I can demonstrate that by having sex with you or going and make a lot of money. Yeah. And would would I be right to say, Tara, there's a whole bunch of other things that serve as breaks in your mind and in reality. Oh yeah. Can you give me two of them real quick? Uh,
4: I mean, you were spot on. I was laughing when you were talking about like, dishes and like like literally like the dog's bowl being filled up with food. You know, just like the <laughs> smallest things. I know it sounds crazy, but it's just like one less thing I have to do and worry about. So you were just spot on with all of the breaks you were talking about. Like I I resonate with those.
0: <laughs> so I want you guys to go out and have a date. And I want you to spend a week thinking about here are the things that really turn me on. And here are the things not that turn me off, like bad breath or right, you're like you haven't showered. Not like that turn me off. But prohibit me, keep me from getting in the mood. Okay. And I want y'all to write those down. And what you're going to do is give each other a roadmap to each other. Okay. And that's different than, hey, can we have, can we like start with oral sex and then go to regular sex and then move? That's, that's, That's peripheral. You'll get to those spots. But before that, what if we created a world that I walk in and my shoulders drop And then we can say, are you up for it tonight? You want to party? And she's like, I'll party. Or we can party, but I'm going to barf on you. And Mike (laughs) is like, that's a risk I'm willing to take, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But Tara, imagine a world where you go to put your four-year-old down and you get done singing the song and you come out and the dishes are taken care of and the dog's taken care of. And Mike, the whole time you're like, I've been working all day, bust." I don't know who gives a crap. This is about right. creating a world for your wife. And Mike, you're honest about. Here's the things that turn me on: a text message in the morning, a morning hug, uh, sexy text messages throughout the day. Um, and maybe Terry, you got to put text reminders on your calendar. Whatever I don't, whatever it is. But let's let's work through creating a world outside of the bedroom. And I've just heard it over and over and over and over and over that often the bedroom issues begin to magically, not magically, very practically transform themselves. We'll link to the book in the show notes, but I want you two guys to pick it up today. Buy it at your Christmas present to yourselves. Read that book all the way through, and it's going to be eye-opening for you, Tara, who grew up in a no-touch, no-discussion home, and Mike, you are going to get a humanity behind the pornography that you consume since you were five in a way that you probably have never imagined. Never imagined. Go check it out. Thank you for calling. Hey, call back anytime. I'd love to have you all on. If you all try this out, you'll have the brakes and gas pedal conversation and it fails spectacularly, call me back and, have me on the, and, and I'll have you on the show and we'll talk through it. Or if it starts working and slowly leaning in the right direction, I'd love to have that conversation too. And we can get more, more concrete examples about sex. We can go down whatever avenue you want to go to. But I love that you all are having the question. And man, talk about an amazing example of what life after infidelity can look like. Two people who said, let's rebuild the whole thing from the floor up. We'll be right back. Hey, good folks. I am beyond thrilled that Thorne, my favorite supplements on the planet, have partnered with me and our show listeners. I've been taking Thorn supplements for years and years, and my wife and kids take them as well. Some of my personal dailies are methylated B vitamins, super omega fish oil, theanine, glycine, vitamin D, K2, and more. I take Thorn for some specific physiologic needs for me to keep my mind and body optimized. And listen, we've set up an amazing opportunity for the folks who listen to this show. 25% off everything in the Thorn store. Go to thorn.com slash the letter U slash Deloney for 25% off. That's thorn, T-H-O-R-N-E dot com slash the letter U slash Deloney. When you create an account through my page, you'll get 25% off all purchases. Go be well. All right, let's go out to Utah and talk to Chrissy. What's up, Chrissy?
1: Hi, how are you, Dr. John?
0: Partying. What are you up to?
1: Oh, you know, just living another day in paradise.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Lehigh, Utah. That's where paradise happens.
1: I I don't know. I just moved here <laughs> over the summer, so I'm still trying to convince myself that's true.
0: Oh, you just moved there this summer?
1: Yeah. All
0: right. So you went through summer in one of the most beautiful places in the world, and you're about to go mm-hmm. through winter.
1: Yeah. I think it's a whopping 25 degrees outside. So I went on a hunting trip.
0: I went on a hunting trip out in that area in February and of last year, I guess earlier this year. And when I called and said, Hey, what's, how cold is it going (laughs) to be? Guy goes eight.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That sounds pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. That was from a Texas boy. That was not cool. All right. So what's up? How can I help?
1: Um, So just to give a little context, uh, the reason why I moved to Utah, actually, is I got married in July and me and my husband have blended families. He has three boys or it's not three boys, three kids from his previous marriage. And I have one. So now we have three boys and one girl all together. How old? Um, The oldest is 10. Uh, the next one will be nine next month. Mine just turned eight and our youngest is six.
0: Oh, good. good. <laughs> oh, man, Amazing. Y'all should start saving and for college. That's going to be a rough <laughs> few years. Okay. So yeah, and ten, nine, eight, six. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right.
1: And I was just wondering if you had any advice on how to make blending a family a little bit easier if that makes sense because everyone talks about it but i don't know if anyone really knows what's happening other than their outside perspective
0: yeah give me um where do things stand right now y'all are about six months in where do things stand
1: um it has gotten better the first month was so hard yes and I just felt like no matter what I did, I was failing these kids because me and my husband got divorced over um, similar situations. And so his ex-wife kind of dropped out of the picture, leaving behind these three beautiful kids. And then my ex-husband was kind of emotionally abusive, not to my son, but just to me. And so I just feel like there's a ton of baggage going into this relationship, right? Correct. I kind of went in with the attitude of, I'm going to fix this. No! And okay. It, did <laughs> yeah. fix, or it made me go crazy yes. is the lesson I've learned in that.
0: Often when we say the words, I'm going to fix this, what we, our bodies do instinctively is we hold on tighter.
1: Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> and the opposite has to be true. And I'll walk you through why. And there's there's a lot of neuroscience here and a lot of nervous system work, like the, Dr. Porges, I mean, the lot here. I'm going to paint it as simple as I can make it, okay? Okay. And let's go ahead and be honest and call out what you said at the very beginning. I haven't had a blended family. So I'm only speaking from what the literature says, what my colleagues say, and what my friends who've tried it have reported, okay? So I'm still speaking as an outsider, so I think it's important to call out there, okay? Right. All right, so you have a 10, a 9, an 8, and a 6-year-old. Whew, three boys Uh, and a girl tossed in there, right? Yes, sir. I said that like Sandlot, and a girl, right? But you've got three boys and a girl, right? Okay, so I want you to keep a couple of words in mind, always, 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 and this will be for you and your husband, okay? Stability. Stability, stability, routine, predictability, things that they can count on. Everything in their world has fallen down, but we often think of falling down like a house collapsing. That's not what fell here. The house did fall, but what crumbled is the foundation, the sidewalk that they walk on, Hmm. everything they know. And a lot of times, you and your husband are adults, y'all can quickly get on a new footing. Kids cannot. They absorb okay. the footing from the adults in their life. And so what we often do when, we, when people blend families is they spend a lot of time on the house part. Whose room? What's the decorations? Let's do fun things. And what the kids need is routine, routine, predictability, stability, stability, stability. That often means that mom and dad have to go to counseling to regulate their nervous system to learn how to have peace because the kids are absorbing every every ounce of energy you're putting out into the world, okay? So everything I'm going to tell you going forward is guided by one word, stability. How can me and my husband create stability and predictability? Now, he might be an over-the-road trucker. He may travel a lot. You may travel a lot. You may be on call because you're a nurse or what. That's all fine, but there is a routine to, oh, mom just got called out, so here's what we do. My kids and my wife, I travel a lot. I'm always on the road, and my my wife and, ki- and kids, when dad's gone, here's what we eat. Here's how we do bedtime. It's, a, it's, it's their own little world they've created. It's amazing, but it's it's stability, stability, okay? That's the next one. So here's the next one. I want you to consider outbursts are simply unregulated bodies trying to adjust. So what does that mean? Expect anger. Expect the opposite, which is insane compliance. Uber compliance, which is a trauma response too sometimes. Explain you're not, um, I mean, expect you're not my mom. I don't want to be here. I hate you. Go back to wherever it is you came from. Mom, I hate these boys. Why do we have a girl here? All that is, is a 10, a 9, an 8, and a 6-year-old's bodies trying to make sense of new oxygen. Okay? They're not asses. They're they're kids. Right. And what we do is we take the words they say and the tone they use, and we we, um, transport it to adulthood. And if an adult talked to us that way, they'd be an ass. Right. These are 9-year-olds. Six-year-olds, okay? Their bodies are simply trying to adjust. That doesn't mean we don't let them we, – we let them run wild. They're not feral. But that means right. we don't hold them to adult standards yet because they're kids. And everything in their world has been blown up, okay? Right. So imagine um, – okay, well, well, I'll just go on to the next one. Go very slow. This is the next one. And by the way, we're going to clip this, and uh, if possible, we'll clip it, and we're going to send it to you right away in its raw, unedited form. That way you guys can have this right away, and we'll have to wait a month for it to come out, okay? Oh, so you okay. don't have to take notes. You can just, We can just talk. I want you to go very slow. A lot of, you're like you're like, six months. We should have this thing together. Their whole.
1: That's exactly how I feel. Their oh, whole
0: world exploded. Right. Okay? It exploded. Your, your new boys, their mom said, I don't want y'all. Right, which would crush anybody. Anybody. So. But that's not just a psychological crushing. That's not, because when I say psychological crushing, you can't just go, yeah, but I'm here. That's not how that works. It destroyed their right. heart, our heart rhythms, their nervous system, right? right? Your daughter grew up in a home where mom was not safe. She has absorbed how to navigate a potentially er like volcanic man. That's in her body. And so she's going to have to learn what a loving guy looks like and feels like. It's just going to take time. (sighs) Okay. Okay. So (laughs) go slow. Here's the next one. Never, ever, ever, ever talk bad about their parents.
1: Right, right for sure. Right.
0: You know that, but I just want to re- reiterate. They know that half of them is you and half of them is their dad. Or half of them is your new husband, half of them is the mom that left. Right. And so if it's like, well, your mom did it,
1: Right. Right? It's a sideways diss on the
0: kids. It's not a sideways. It's a, it's a hammer to their head. It's crushing. I
5: do.
0: It's a Yes, it's crushing to a child. That's why these divorces that that are so contentious, where kids are used as as collateral, is I mean you're just you're you're ruining a hundred years of lineage when you do that, if not more. Oh, for sure. It's just abusive, and
1: that's kind of it is, and that's yeah. kind of what made me decide to get married again is a couple years ago. I think my son was maybe six at the time, and I can't remember what even happened, but I got him back from his dad and. Uh, his dad just said something kind of snarky and rude. And I was like, Ugh, he's such a butthead every time. And we got home and my son could tell, just like you said, he just absorbed my emotions right into his soul and was like, what's wrong, mommy. And I was like, Oh, I'm just annoyed with daddy. And it was such an aha moment for me that I was like, my son doesn't deserve to be my emotional support animal. Yes. Like, I can't do that to him.
0: Good for you. And Husband doesn't get that anymore. He left. He left. He didn't get that anymore.
1: He doesn't do that.
0: Nope. Your new husband does. He can annoy the crap out of you. Old husband, he cashed out. (laughs) Right? Right. If you don't go to, if you take all your money, withdraw it from the bank, and you deposit in a new bank, that old bank doesn't get to tell you what to do with your money anymore. Period. Right. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next one real quick. Um, I want you all to create a who we are board. I want you to go to Michael's oh. or um, uh, uh, Hobby Lobby, something like that, and get a canvas. Uh-huh. And I want you all to get music. The kids get to pick the music. And if they're already savvy enough, they get to pick the playlist. And you and your husband get to add a few songs that are just ridiculous songs that you all love. Like like whatever ridiculous, Poison or Dwight Yoakam, like whatever songs you all grew up with, just ridiculous. But we're going to create an evening um, And I'm going to pretend your last name's Smiths, okay? Okay. We're going to create a, the Smiths, here's who we are. And we're going to hang this somewhere where everybody can see it. And like the Delonies is, we say yes to adventures, hospitality. We treat each other with dignity and respect. And we're about to redo it. We did it when, when my daughter was super, super, super young, so she couldn't participate. We're about to do it again. But here's here's why that's so important. They now can have a touchstone that they can see that they're a part of something that is being built that is new. Okay. Okay. It's kind of like when they're building a building, they hang an American flag out on on the big cranes out there. It's one of these things like that's new and it's under this banner. Also, when kid when one of the when the 10-year-old smarts off to you, you're not my mom, I hate you you point back and say hey the smiths treat each other with dignity and respect and you're allowed to be frustrated i get that you you ha- cannot talk to the adults in this house like that that's not who we are and then when they like you, when you violate one of the who we are one of our core values you are opting out you are choosing to leave Okay. And so like last night, my daughter had a thing with, she was acting in a certain way. And I said, Hey, come here real quick. And I brought her real close and we're eye level. I was sitting down and she walked eye level and I whispered into her ear so as not to embarrass her. I said, Hey, if you talk like that again, you are choosing to leave the room and we don't like it when you're not with us. We want you here, but you can choose to leave. Which is different than me kicking her out. Hey, you can't talk to us. Get out. Go to your room. Because then I've just like I've just done what their mom did. I've just done what their dad did. I've showed Hi. them there is a line that you can't cross. That if you cross it, I don't love you anymore. You're out of my presence. And my kids, I want them to learn at a very young age. I will never send you out of my presence. You can opt out if you come into my house intoxicated, acting whatever. You're telling me I don't want to be here because that's not who we are. But you're going to hold the keys as to whether you're in a relationship with me because your old man will love you to the moon and back and I'll come get you wherever you are. See the difference there?
1: I do. That's that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I never thought of it that way.
0: Okay, so expect them to be bananas, expect them to be jerky and expect them to look at you and say, are are y'all going to leave too? And in fact, I'm going to push you to see if you will. And then they're just opting out. All right, here's the last thing I'll I'll, I'll throw with you. I'll I'll throw a couple at you real quick. Um, Conversation journals with each kid. That works with some kids, some some not so much. But everybody gets a spiral on their bed. And they get to write in it, and you'll respond every night and put it back on their bed when they're at school. Oh, that's cute. And it's just a way to, especially with younger kids. And and actually, it's worked with teenagers who won't talk to their parents. But they might just write, today didn't suck so bad. Today, I was happy. That's it. That may be all I put. And you can write a paragraph. Today, I thought of you and I started laughing because that thing you said last night, you're hilarious. I saw how hard you were working at this thing and it just brings me so much joy. Whatever, like we're going to have just this dialogue back and forth. Again, one or two of your kids will be like, this is stupid. I'm not writing this. A couple of your kids will, it'll latch on to them if you can intentional time with each kid, that's tough, especially when they're this young, it's just hard. It might be five minutes on the front porch and it might be you with a 10 year old. Like, no, no, no. We have tea time at night, everybody away. We get seven minutes of tea time. And we're just going to have an evening glass, cup of tea or an evening ice cream, whatever the thing is, but we have seven minutes, nine minutes. It didn't have to be an hour. Right. Um, here's the last two, if possible, Give the other parent opportunity to win with the opposite kids. What could that look like? What if you took two of the boys or the three boys out to buy a Christmas present for their mom? Hmm. That sounds insane. And you'd have to be a super emotionally regulated adult to do that. To admit your husband had a family before y'all got together. To admit that these kids are still connected to their mom, even though their mom is doesn't treat them with love and respect. Now, that may not work in your house, but give them an opportunity. What you're showing them, not by by your words, but by your actions, I'm not at war with you, with your parents, with your mom. I want her to win. I want you all to love her. And they stop feeling this sense of disloyalty to her every time they're nice to you. Uh, And your, your kids stop feeling disloyal to their dad every time they're nice to your new husband. It's like, no, 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 we're all on the same team. If your husband took your two kids out, one uh six is 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 old. I don't know what your son, how old your son is, but hey, we're gonna buy a cool present for your dad. This, I mean, that's like money in the bank. Wow. See what I'm saying? And listen, your husband, I mean your ex may talk crap about your new husband. He sucks. Next year. He sucks. Next year, he sucks. Your kids, over time, you're playing a 10- or 15-year game. They will get it. They'll slowly go, oh, I'm being raised by a man who's very secure, treats people with dignity. My dad is immature and rude and ugly. I don't want to be there. I don't feel safe in there anymore. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not an instant gratification kind of game. Hey, once you're divorced and you have kids, instant gratification's over. That leads me to my last point. Don't take... Anything, anything, anything personally. So hard. I can't think of something harder. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally how his ex-wife talks about you. She's not well, that's okay. Don't take it personal how your ex-husband is threatened by this new amazing family you all are building from scratch. He opted out. Don't take it personally what a 10-year-old says to you or when that 10-year-old becomes 14, I'm not gonna take anything personally. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. The only person who has permission to hurt me personally is my husband, my new husband. That's it. And vice versa. Kids don't, kids don't get that kind of vote. They can learn that, hey, you can't say that it's disrespectful. Or you can say, I'm choosing to be hurt by what you said, but they're not going to hold the keys to your kingdom like that because you're the adult and you're the regulated one. So that's a lot I threw at you. I hope that helps. Um, I wish you guys all the best, A, in surviving a Utah winter and building an amazing, amazing new blended family. It takes time, goes slow, a lot there. You guys can do it, and thank you so much for your heart, Chrissy. All right, we will be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, the song is called Rise and Fall by Daniel Renstrom. A lot of the uh, music on this record is performed by the one only James Childs. If you're one of the OG 17, you'll remember as the original producer on the show that he clearly did not have a, an alliance and Kelly destroyed him. He's no longer on the show. <laughs> well formed. Well done, Kelly. Songs called Rise and Fall by Daniel Renstrom. And it goes like this. The dawn of the light is breaking tonight at, at the birth of this dangerous boy. As shepherds and kings bow down bow down, and sing at the birth of this dangerous boy, many will rise and fall at the birth of this king. Those who oppose stumble on this stone at the birth of this dangerous king, but many will hear, believing in fear, will hope in this dangerous king. This is actually a song about Kelly, the dangerous, dangerous king. Hey, I love you guys. Have a good Christmas. We'll be right back.